Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. I'm Taylor, and with me, as he is every month when we wander back through the hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and 90s, this time he's the sheepskin seat cover to my maroon vinyl seats. It's my brother, Seb. Seb, what's happening? Hey, man. It's good to hear from you. How was your month, man? Uh, My month was good. I mean... You know, August, it's all kind of ramping up to get back to school, and now Amber's teaching again. The kids are back in school. My work schedule has shifted to accommodate, and, you know, everything's just plugging along. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm almost uh, out of gas, but I'm really looking forward to the nice episode and refilling that tank, you know what I mean? And right uh, getting some happy memories flowing. Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't we dive right in, because we have got a little bit of information from what has been going on previously on previously on previously on if memory serves and uh, sad news to start uh, this month, because the Century Theaters in San Jose um, have now been torn down. Uh, Let's say it was. Probably inevitable, but still heartbreaking. I mean, the real estate values are just going crazy, uh, you know, in the South Bay, in our hometown of San Jose. And for folks listening, uh, if you catch uh, some of our other episodes, especially our Star Wars episode, we yeah. talked a little bit about these uh, theaters that meant so much to, uh, to both of us growing up in San Jose in the 80s and 90s. Um, they, were, of course, were the kind of the bubble dome shaped theaters. And uh, they've been closed for a couple years now. But uh, unfortunately, it sounds like the efforts to preserve the architecture for history have failed. And uh, they're making way for, I'm assuming, housing. I mean, I don't know really. but uh, I, I don't know that it's housing. I, I think it might be offices. Oh, really? Office space. Okay. Um, um, but Century 21, there were, there were three theaters there, 21, 22, and 23. Um, Century right. 21 has been made like... Um, an, an historic landmark on some level. So okay. they're not tearing down one of the theaters. I wonder what they're going to do with it. Um, honestly, from the artist conceptions mm-hmm. I've seen of that area is that um, it, it will be preserved, restored a little bit. Mm. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the inside of it though i don't know if that's going to be like oh here's your office space and well if you need to have a nice big meeting come in here and you can show your powerpoints in an old historic theater (laughs) i have no idea holy cats i had my first kiss there and you actually picked me up on the drive home from there from that oh did i really yeah yeah true story nice yeah back in 95 yeah oh my gosh wow Wow. uh we salute you century theaters uh wherever you are I, you know, I drove by to kind of pay my respects and there was, it was probably earlier in the morning than I, than I should have gone. I think had I gone a little bit later, there was like the corner of, it must've been century 22 because it was right up against the street there. And there were some of the old light fixtures that were not torn down yet. And I really wish I, I, 
I had made the point of like stopping and like finding somebody who is working on the site and being like, look, hoist me up. Can I, can I take one of those down? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the worst they could have said is no. Get one family, here, punk. One, one story I vaguely remember, I think when our father was growing up, he lived not too far away. And at some point somebody climbed on the marquee and spray painted his name or at least another person's name that was identical to dad. Oh, really? I, I, yeah. Hopefully our fact checker, AKA mom, uh, can chime in, but I believe, yeah, at some point during the 60s, you could drive by the Century Theaters and see the name Steve Nelson emblazoned in spray paint. Oh my god. And How Dad have I never heard the story. Yeah, to this day, I think Dad claims that he didn't do it and he doesn't know who did it and he doesn't think it was the same Steve Nelson as him. But I just love that story because that's you know, it's a great story and I, I don't picture our dad as a, as a, uh, as a juvenile a spray delinquent. painting. Yeah, spray <laughs> yeah. painting hoodlum. Right, right. Uh, okay. Well, that's a great story. Oh, man. Oh, well. And uh, in some other news, um, of course, last month, folks, we had our episode about our childhood pets uh, and memories about them. Um, and thankfully, Mom, our fact checker, chimed in. And Taylor, I do have to uh, salute you and tip my hat to you. You were right about the name of our pet rabbit. Okay. Being, being Atro. I remembered it being 80, but that was the nickname, not the actual name. Um, so, uh, And also, she said that our pet cat who uh, had the name BG, just the letters BG, um, were actually, was actually a corruption of the letters PG, which were the initials at the vet's office, just to indicate that the cat was pregnant. Of course, we speculated that the P probably stood for pregnant, but maybe G was the Spanish word for cat, gato. Uh-huh. But apparently, uh, that the first part was true, but the second part, uh, not so true. But okay. We were close. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I was close, but it's nice to have that... Uh bit of our history elucidated exactly Um, now this this last bit of news i am super excited for and i am super excited for you specifically right ladies and gentlemen um if you remember i mean obviously in doing this podcast there's certain things that my brother and i have chased down and tracked down in forms of old photos and people's memories we've interviewed people Tay's had a, a a little project interviewing people that were involved with a surfing movie called ozone for instance yeah i gotta get back to Uh, that (laughs) my my quote-unquote white whale the thing that for a while i was searching for the most was a replacement copy or if nothing else just a good digital image of a large oversized poster coloring poster purchased by myself at a long's drug circa 1990 in the city of campbell california um the poster had was covered in cartoon anthropomorphic rat sailing a pirate ship um a, ver- uh, a, a copy came up on ebay uh about six months ago eight months ago something like that tragically i missed the auction but only just within the past couple of weeks maybe about a week ago somebody finally chimed into the thread i posted on reddit.com asking if anybody had any information or images of this uh god bless them there's a guy from san jose of all places named sean who is about our age also had exact same poster when we were kids still had his childhood copy was able to help me get in touch with the artist of all things who uh, drew it um, gave me some contact information for the publisher i've managed to get uh, a low-res digital image and hopefully a whole in this near future a high-res scan that i'll be hopefully be able to share with you taylor that'd um, be great and i think you remember this poster as well oh yes um, from very childhood. vividly yeah um, the artist was, he's a great guy, I believe his name is Doug Hansen. He's down in Clovis, California. Um, he was incredibly touched that people 30 years afterwards were remembering fondly his artwork. And I think it really made his day as much as it made mine. Oh, so that's good. It was a happy story all around. Yeah. Now you, that's right, because you, 
you like called him out of the blue kind of thing, right? I called the publisher out of the blue. Okay, and okay, that kind publisher. of that that yeah, and I think that's still a little. I think the I think they're a little. That was maybe a bad move because I think now they're a little skittish. Oh because, really? Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't really gotten to explain myself fully to that that party yet. But the artist definitely been emailing. He's got a website. It's really nice set up. Yeah. Totally well, I tell you what. Send me his website address before I post this episode, and I'll make sure it's in the show notes so everyone else oh, can perfect. check it out. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. That's great news, man. Well, why don't we, speaking of news, let's find out what's going on in the news. An ABC News Break brought to you by Budweiser Beer. Stay with us. The late edition is next. And this first piece tonight, tonight, what am I talking about? This month. Make it sound like I'm on all the time. Um, I, this is just weird, man. This is, I, I love this story and I'm, I'm only throwing it in here because, um, Basically, it's it's about old televisions. There is a, I'm going to say, mysterious creature with a TV for a head who is delivering old TVs to a neighborhood in Virginia. What the heck? Yeah. So this is, um, man, this, if you didn't have like, uh, you know, video camera doorbells, this would be a total mystery, but, and, and check out, if you haven't seen it around the webs, um, check out the show notes for the link. Um, there literally is a guy like this is, I want to make this my Halloween costume this year. Um, he literally, he's in coveralls. It's the middle of the night. His head okay. is obscured with a TV. He looks like something out of a dire straits music video. So is this uh, like a performance art thing? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Wow. But this guy basically, and they're, they're old TVs. They're not flat panels. They're not plasma screens. They're old, you know, tube TVs. And right. he literally, in the middle of the night, delivered like 60 TVs to 60 different houses. Holy cats. Yeah. I wonder if his TV head has an image on the screen or if it's just blank. You know what I mean? It is blank. If you bring oh, up okay. if you bring up the article and look at the pictures, it is just blank. Um, but man, it's weird. That is creepy. You know, that's got to be uncomfortable. I feel kind of bad for the dude. I trust me. In thinking about how I would turn this into a Halloween costume, I'm like, how would I put this thing on my head and not have it hurt the crap out of my shoulders? Oh, totally, totally. And that's it what I get like hung up. So I actually would be very yeah. curious to see how he did it. Totally, totally. Wow. I know, I know. Um, there's apparently also a, um, there's a glitchy, weird version of Pac-Man floating around. Okay. Um, now this is one of those things that kind of harkens back to a urban legend about a video game that I don't think ever existed called Polybius. Okay. Um, and there's all sorts of, you know, government experiment, men in black stuff's tied to that story. Um, so there is apparently, the story goes um, that uh, a, this gentleman found a um, an original Pac-Man game uh, circuit board, um, claims that it was locked up in a safe, found in an old abandoned arcade. Just setting the scene, I'm already personally a little suspect. This also seems okay. kind of urban legend level here. Um, but he 
got this out and um says he did some research on it found that eventually this this game was locked up because players who finished it would suffer severe psychological and occasionally physiological trauma up to and including death wait a second so, there's a killer pat man game uh, that is what this is claiming oh cat oh my gosh yeah so i'm just going to say take it with a grain of salt holy uh, goodness or 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 a bit of salt maybe mm. Um, but what did he do? Of course, he uploaded it onto the internet for us all to download and play. Uh, um, this, and this is like that horror movie where somebody has a VHS tape and if they watch it, they die or something. That's right. This is the eight bit version of the ring. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so now again, you get down to the end of the article and it says, well, according to this guy, the original ROM's psychological effects have been significant. Okay. There's enough about this article, and and by all means, go read it if you feel up for downloading it and trying this game out. Go for it. I'm not. Um, not because I'm afraid of it, just because I can only make it past about maybe the first three levels of Pac-Man, and then I'm just not good enough. Um, but there's enough about this story that makes me go, okay, somebody's trying to start a new urban legend... There's enough that just doesn't quite seem believable or seems too much like something out of a horror movie uh, for its origins to be believable. But that's just my take on it. You don't have to take my word for it. Wait, we're, n- we're not going to inadvertently kill the, the barely two dozen people who actually listen to our podcast, are we? No, I can't imagine all of them want to play Pac-Man. <laughs> just some of them. Oh, my God, you're horrible. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, uh, folks, uh, good luck. Godspeed. Um, uh, keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> well, if you, here's if what you, you do can play do. Pac-Man and Die, please chime in and, and our social media and let us know. That's right. We use the hashtag Pac-Man took my lives. Um, and let us know how that goes for you. Oh, goodness. Do you, do you remember the Dark Crystal? Very well. Uh, I, I remember it very well. In fact, I think I know where you're going with this. But I should hope ahead. so, because I hope you have the notes open. Yes. Uh, <laughs> There is a prequel series yeah. to the Dark Crystal. Yeah. Holy, holy, shut the front door. What's the story on this? Uh, what's the story on this? Um, it is, there's lots of practical effects. Um, they, they kept the puppetry very much the same. Um, and it is, uh, by the time you're listening to this, out on Netflix right now. It's a Jim Henson production, yep. I assume? Yep. Do you um, know who I've heard really the, good uh, things about it so far. Oh, I hope so because that was a great. That was like that was like the first uh, Muppet movie that. I mean, it wasn't a Muppet movie, but in a sense, it kind of was. But mm-hmm. that was dark or scary, you know. At least yeah. for me, when growing up as a kid, you well, know who one of the puppet. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say it's one of Amber's favorite movies. In fact, well, I think we times. have a VHS copy in the house somewhere. Sweet. Do you, I was just going to say, do you know who one of the puppeteers was in the original Dark Crystal? Who? Yes. Frank Oz. Well, close, but no cigar. Gates McFadden, TV's what? Beverly Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes, sir. TV's Beverly Crusher? Don't you mean TV's Sarah Lee Croissant or Croissandwich Spokeswoman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can just taste the ham and cheese right now. Uh, uh, c'est magnifique. Great, great movie. Really? She was a puppeteer. Oh, yeah. She did a whole, you know, she did commercial puppeteer, puppetry and then, you know, hit the big time, you know, on the Enterprise. I had no idea. That's really awesome. 
Totally. She's a uh, Renaissance woman. Clearly. Clearly. Are you gonna likes... Are you gonna watch the prequel series or? Um, I, I yeah, definitely. I don't know when. Um, yeah. There's already a couple of uh, Netflix series that I'm like, I really should catch up on this and watch mm-hmm. this. So it's like I'm just adding it to the list. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if nothing else, hopefully, because I know Amber knows about it. Hopefully, she'll be like, Oh my god, let's let's totally watch it some evening after the kids are in bed, and I'll be like, Yes, let's do it. Nice, nice. Yeah. So anyway, here's what's going on. This time on If Memory Serves. We are talking about car culture and our car memories that, I should asterisk here, are not just Volkswagens. (laughs) That's right. This is almost kind of like, I want to say kind of a prequel to the episode we did a couple months ago about Volkswagens. Of course, listeners to our podcast will know that many of our cars in our family growing up and even i guess today are or were volkswagens um however yep. we did have other cars in the family and it feels only proper to do a deep dive tonight into some of those cars their backstory their history some of our memories of those vehicles and uh yeah hopefully it'll be a fun ride definitely a fun ride oh i see what you did there very nice very <laughs> nice you. did you plan that oh of course all day of course <laughs> well i you know should we just Start from the top and work our way down? Yeah, it looks like you got the cars arranged chronologically by build date. I think that seems logical and reasonable. Actually, that's not even how I intended it, but yeah, that works. Cool. Um, well, this this first entry is one, like, the one car out of all the ones that we grew up with that our family still has and, and hopefully mm-hmm. will forever have, uh, if I have any say mm-hmm. in it. Um and it is our dad's 1969 Lotus Europa. Mm-hmm. And the Lotus Europa, most listeners probably are going, unless it's mom and dad, hi guys, um, are going, what does a Lotus Europa look like? Um, it's small. It's British. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one in particular was green. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the Super 7 that's got the open canopy um, and the, the attempts at fenders on all four wheels um no the the europa is a small two-seater let's see uh mid-engine rear wheel drive uh british sports car yeah it doesn't really look like much it's hard to find a comparable to compare it to in my opinion other than maybe a sitting frog sort of (laughs) yeah sort of yeah definitely um it was totally cool i mean it's it was totally hip to have a father growing up who basically had kind of like a funky sports car mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah uh very low to the ground very very low to the ground so low to the ground in fact that i remember him telling the story of being at a train crossing one time yeah. where the signal arms came down in error and uh, everybody kind of sat there for a while and he was first in line basically and no train was coming no train was coming he finally got out looked up and down the track there was no train coming he literally pushed his antenna down drove under the gates (laughs) that's awesome yeah oh that gives you an idea how low this thing is to the ground but uh that's pretty cool yeah and if if i remember the story correctly he says he bought it um from what was then uh, a Volvo dealership in Los Gatos in 1971. That's interesting because I, I do wonder how a British car 
was retailed in the United States at that time period. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously yeah. today you can you can go to a, like a maybe a Range Rover dealership. Well, although I guess I don't know if Range Rover really is a British car company. I, mean, I think they might have been bought by Volkswagen. I'm not sure. Or but BMW. That's point. I forget which. Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like Lotus is a manufacturer for whom dealerships are on every corner in america you know what i mean no i mean without knowing for sure i i'm sure that there were some places that were like um you know such and such european motors and they had like a little bit of everything yeah yeah i think that's how you know you would get lotuses coming into america because obviously they they were this is left-hand mm-hmm. drive this was made for the non-british market um right but yeah, I don't remember there really being Lotus dealerships. I always got the feeling too that Dad, being such an avid fan of Formula One race car driving, he's a big fan of the Lotus, or I guess was a fan of the the Lotus team. Yes. And I'm 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 guessing that maybe he him buying a Euro, Lotus Europa kind of grew out of that maybe. Um, I I think that's a big part of it. Um, I know he's been into Formula One for a very long time, got me into watching Formula One racing. Um, yeah. I enjoy it. Um, and and I think that was just one of those things where that was um, that was a team that he really identified with, that he really kind of rooted for. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that definitely drove his, his choice to uh, get himself a Lotus. Yeah, I always wondered if it was like a chicken and the egg thing. Did he buy the Lotus car and then get into like, watching the Lotus team on TV or vice versa. Cause I think like the Lotus racing team back in that, back in the early seventies, that w- they were like basically like the New York Yankees sort of like, they were like just the best or, or I mean, or at least had that reputation maybe. Or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, in definitely. fact, I, I think, and you, I, I seem to remember, and you filled in the details on this, the, the Europa that our father bought and still has was a kind of a special, memorial slash in memoriam edition maybe? yes so what's the story on that yeah so the the um look at pretty much any lotus even modern lotuses and the um the badging is yellow and green um okay. you think they could do uh, a tie-in with the the uh, oakland a's and have a great job of that but all their badging um all their logos it's yellow and green um the 1969 models uh, were black and silver um, because Colin Chapman, who himself was a race car driver um, and who started the Lotus Motor Company, um, died that year. Was it a car wreck? Or... I I don't remember. It might have been. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and as a result, the company decided, look, he just died. He is, you know, our, our, our grandfather who started it all. Um, we are going to pay tribute to him. All our badging for this model year is going to be black and silver. That's pretty cool. It's like a limited edition or something. Oh, very much so. I mean, I, I can't think of any other car company who has done something like that. And this is the 50th year of the car. I mean, it's 50 years old this year. That's I guess. right. Yeah. Holy that's smokes. Cool. I wonder if dad even knows the Lotus's build date. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny talking about the badge because the little logo, the badge, the logo, the emblem, like I can picture it in my mind, but mm-hmm. I would have no vocabulary to explain what it looks like. It's a weird curly cue kind of thing. It, if I'm not mistaken, it is an overlaying of 
letters, much how the uh, gold and black JPS for the John Player Special, which was their Lotus Formula One car. Okay. So it's like a monogram almost. Yeah, it's like a monogram. That's a good way of thinking about it. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, my big Lotus memory was just dad. When when I was in um, grammar school, I think third, fourth, fifth grade, I attended um, Empire Gardens Public Mm -hmm. School in San Jose. Yeah, um, which was way on the other side of town. It was part of the whole desegregation and busing thing, and it was so funky because I I took the bus to school in the morning, but I think in part because our father worked the graveyard shift for most of our childhood growing up, mm-hmm. and that he got off of work or got on or was leaving for work at a certain time, he was able to drive me home frequently, if not all the time. Yeah. So very oftentimes he would come and pick me up in the Lotus and he would drive me home in that. And that was great fun, I thought. You know, it was, it oh, gosh, of, uh, I bet. I, I, yeah, I have no recollection of him driving you home from school. Now, I remember um, being very, very small, like small enough to fit in his lap. And we would just be like driving down Hester coming home. Oh, my gosh. And he yeah. would he would let me steer. Obviously, his hands yeah. would be nearby. Yeah, um, that's so cool. Yeah. It is. It's it, it's always been a neat car. It's definitely one of those cars um, that you kind of have to squeeze into. I He always described, if you're going to get into it, basically, you got to plant your butt first and then kind of rotate yourself into the sitting position. If somebody put a gun to my head and told me I had to sit into the Lotus today, I would oh probably throw my back out and like break a knee or something. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I would be able to do it, you know? It's uh, it's a very tight fit, and you and I are not petite people. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I assume he he turns the motor over once in a while. I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine the last time it's actually driven on the road. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I know. Um, I mean, you think back a few years when they had to have their garage rebuilt, um, mm-hmm. and it was out for that. It's now in the garage, so... I'm not sure if it got to go around the block before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. Oh, wow. There's man. I just had a memory Ooh. about something that happened to dad and Lotus that I had completely forgotten in. about. Yes. This just in literally. Um, okay. I remember a story where now in my head, it was probably much more dramatic than it was in real life. Um, because I was very young and being told this story, but he was driving home from work one morning and I think he was probably coming by San Jose international. Okay. Um, when one of the steering components on the Lotus broke and he basically like in my head, he wiped it out and put it up against a fence. Oh, um, now there's no, I don't remember there being any physical damage to the body because the body is fiberglass. Yeah. You know, if you if you scrape that thing against a fence, it's going to be pretty bad. Um, mm. So I don't remember. I, I don't, as an adult, know the exact details of what happened. But in my head, it was this big dramatic, you know, the lotus is halfway up a fence. Oh, my God. Kind of thing. I don't. Honestly, I can almost guarantee you that's not what happened. Um, you know, I, I wrote. I remember one story, but I don't know if it was the Lotus or not, but I remember mom and dad saying when they were young, they drove to Yosemite once in the summer, but like there was a problem with the mechanics. So they had to run the heater during the height of the summer on the trip or else the engine would have melted or something. But that might've been a beetle. I mean, I don't know if that was like a Lotus or. Well, it, that's, I, 
You could get that with a Beetle, but since the engine itself is air-cooled, you don't really have a need to run the heater to try and get the heat off the engine. That's going to be something with a water-cooled car. Okay. Um, And I know that they did take the Lotus to Yosemite for their honeymoon. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I got you. That's pretty Um, cool. And I I think there was some other time that they might have borrowed... Like one of the grandparents, like they had like a pickup truck with a camper shell on it, mm-hmm. and it might have been that mm-hmm. vehicle okay. that had that issue. I honestly don't know. Okay. Okay. Ah, uh, well, cool. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So the next one, and one that I think you yeah. and I probably have some of our biggest memories right. about, was. <laughs> our 1978 Ford Fairmont station wagon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this this was the height of the Malays car era. I mean, this thing was boxy and um, man, just everything that you would picture in kind of a run of the mill Ford from the late 70s. It, it was probably as far away on the cool spectrum from the Lotus as you could get. That's like the best way I could say it. That's a good way of putting it. Honestly, with the with the fake wood panel siding that it had, yeah. uh-huh. I feel like nowadays there's a retro funkiness about it that somebody would be like, dude, I will totally rock that thing. Oh, yeah. I think I think we've definitely come full circle on that. And now yes. it's like you had one of those and it was in like really good condition. People would like have a huge emotional reaction to seeing it on the road, you know? Yeah. Um, and and that's the thing; fact, it would have to be in really good condition because otherwise, it's just going to look like garbage. Oh, totally. And this is jumping way ahead of the story, but I even seem to recall we're going to talk eventually about how we it left our family. Mm-hmm. But I seem to recall maybe sometime in the '90s you saw it on the road because you had a great ability to like memorize license plate numbers. Yeah. And I could have sworn like there was like one day in like the mid '90s or the late '90s you were driving around and you actually saw it. Like, uh, I remember the details of that story, and we will get to it. Let's 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 I'm do sorry, it uh, yeah, I'm sorry. chronologically. But we we bought. Yeah. I, sh- I say we like I paid money for yeah, this. Yeah, I know. Um, You're like we as a old, family. Yeah, I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, bought it in 1980, and this is only worth noting because it was we had just sold the Beetle that I was brought home from the hospital in, and presumably Wait. you were too. The mama car. The mama car. That's right. So that yeah, there's there's yeah. my little like Volkswagen insert here. Um, yeah. So we had sold the Beetle. Our family right. was growing, and so we bought this two year old uh, Ford Fairmont wagon. My folks, I mean my folks, our folks, at least had the sense. <laughs> are you trying to, to tell me something here? <laughs> I, well, Uh-oh. the results are in. Am I and no, I'm yeah. kidding. Um, they at least had sense to, even though it was an automatic, buy like the the big five liter v8 motor okay which is the most powerful motor that ford was putting in their cars at that time all right that's the same motor that there was going into the mustangs at the time it was in a, a station wagon all right um but this i mean this took us everywhere from 1980 through 1988 if we went camping um up in yosemite or something we took the station wagon this took us to the swim and racket club this took us to school um this took us everywhere yeah it was totally the nelson mobile i totally agree and it just it has so many fun memories of you know drive through happy meal toys (laughs) and just 
you know, going to see grandma and grandpa at Christmas time and oh, all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, you know? loading the back up with presents for everybody. Seriously. And some of our best, uh, in my opinion, um, photos in the old photo album. You can yes. see us messing around with it or it's in the background or something like that. Yeah, totally. and there, there is one with a very young Seb in it uh yeah that will will be the album art uh, oh. uh for this particular episode so that that is our old ford station wagon i think up at uh pine mountain lake in groveland yeah i think you're right i think we uh we had the trunk or, or the back of the station wagon filled with, up with like all sorts of stuff including i think we even trucked up our old um telescope to do some like star stargazing yes uh, yes dad's telescope that he still has that one picture is really special to me because you can really clearly see the three bumper stickers we had on it, at least at that time. Yeah, um, we had some and, good and ones. They're so, they're so perfect. There's the one, it's just white with the big black letters, I Red Heart and Yosemite, I Heart Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this one, it's like a, I think it's like a Greenpeace bumper sticker. Yeah, Save the so Whales. Because it's, actually, I think it says, like, Save the Otters. Oh, is it the Otters? I think it is. That's the thing that that struck me because it's like you always think, "Oh, save the whales." That's the, that's the catchphrase. But this one was like, like save the. I think it was save save the otters. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of funky. I didn't know otters. I guess otters need saving. I guess they're in danger. Why not? I mean, why not? You know. Um, and then the third one, probably the one closest to my heart, it was a Bullwinkle's Family Food and Fun Restaurant bumper sticker. I actually yes. spent way too much time online trying to see if like I could find one on eBay or something. Let's and moose around. It was, yeah, it just is. It it's like that might be the only like evidence that that exact bumper sticker ever existed. I just can't find anything anywhere about that. Really? Um, so for what it's worth, so, I I just brought up the picture and it's help Greenpeace save the seals. Oh, we were both wrong. It was seals, not otters yeah. or whales. Yeah. So I guess so I go. guess uh, don't club baby seals. Maybe I guess that's maybe the message they're trying to get across with that's that. That's generally sticker. a good message. Ah, uh, but that's just like. California in the 1980s. That's like those are the three. Like those bumper stickers are straight out of Central Casting. You know what I mean? It, it is pretty perfect. Yeah. Oh, so good, so yeah. good. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, memories of the, the station wagon? Man, I you know, camping out of that thing was always fun. Uh-huh. I remember actually, I remember, and I don't have this in the notes because it just popped into my head, but I remember coming back from Yosemite one year. Okay. Um, and the um, the station wagon had a, um, I don't know what else I would call it, an integrated roof rack. Okay. Right? It wasn't a, a roof rack that clamped on. It literally had just, you know, a little chrome uh, roof rack basically built into it, uh, okay. like some cars have today. Um, just not in chrome. And we had all the sleeping bags and stuff strapped to the roof. Mm-hmm. And we were coming... I don't even remember what highway it was. It might have been 152 before you start getting up into the hills and then down to Casa de Fruta. Um, mm-hmm. And um, one or two of the sleeping bags broke loose oh. and tumbled off the roof and, and thankfully just into the median. Mm. Um, but it was one of those things, you know, I remember pulling over, dad running, you know, hundreds of yards back up the median oh. to get the sleeping bags. Um and there's obviously there's a lot of um, like produce trucks mm-hmm. that come from the right. fields to the processing plants through there. So there's a lot of tomato trucks going through. So the tomato other trucks. thing I remember. Oh, t- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. The other thing that was also here and there throughout the median 
uh, was tomatoes that had bounced off the trucks <laughs> and either splatted on the side of the road or rolled off to the side of the road. <laughs> oh, man. You know, yeah, I, the, the big family road trips on vacations and stuff, which as a little kid, you know, a three-hour trip is basically like the same as saying 90 hours, you know? Yeah. Gosh, I, you know, every other vehicle was a tomato truck. I mean, even as a little kid, I was thinking, oh, my God, it's like how many tomato trucks can there be in one universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the seats, there was that sticky – icky red vinyl material like yep. that must have been developed by scientists to be the most solar absorbent material known to man because there was nothing hotter that could touch your skin like after like a long day at like the swimming rapid club and you're getting out of the pool oh and my you're gosh. like you don't have a shirt on but you yep. like the car has been baking for four hours oh my gosh it was like it was like torture or something. It, it, was, it was incredibly painful. And of course, it didn't help that it was the 80s and we were all wearing like short shorts and tank tops. Totally. It was just the worst, but yeah. in such a good way, too. I mean, yeah. Um, I also have very clear memories of going to see the Transformers movie on opening day and you right, throwing so up in been, the backseat. Yeah, maybe 1986 or 87. I, I want to say six, but I could be wrong on that. 86? Yeah, I don't know what was going on, but I totally hurled, and we had Man, bail. Like, yeah, it's true. I I was pretty good at vomiting as a little kid, actually. Um, and it was mostly nervous vomit. It wasn't like, you know, food poisoning or anything like that, which right. is odd because what was really kind of to be scared of with the Transformers movie, you know what I mean? That was well, actually that, kind of a that movie did actually get pretty heavy. Not that we knew it at the time. It, it did. I do have some weird, like... I had a, and this is this is a weird flashback memory that came to me about a month ago, and I've been meaning to ask mom and dad about it, but I keep forgetting. And it's not car related, so it's probably. I mean, I don't know if it can be should be edited out, but I have this really strong childhood memory of being at some sort of weird school field trip that we went to De Anza Community College in, I guess, Cupertino, mm-hmm. and we went to. I think they have a planet or had a planetarium. Maybe, no, they do have a planetarium. I took classes there. Yes. I remember being in this weird school group and like I got up in the middle of the show because I'd use the restroom and I went out the doors and I went to the restroom and then I came back and the doors, they were closed, but there weren't the doors. You'd have to pull them to get them open, but there weren't handles on the outside. And I, oh. were, and so I was basically trapped in the, in the, the hallway, which oh, no. I mean, you're not really trapped. I mean, all you have to do is wait. 20 minutes till the show's over and then you meet up with your teacher or your chaperone or your class again but as a little kid i can remember like tearing at this door with my fingernails like thinking that if i couldn't open this door i was literally gonna like die or something like that it was like so traumatic no i know it's like i had this i don't know if it was like abandonment anxieties i don't know what but it was definitely uh uh definitely brought up a lot of the upchuck you know what i'm I'm saying (laughs) oh but uh but yeah, the station wagon, geez, I mean, we, we've, we've got all sorts of stains all over that thing, you know what I mean? You know, and it's funny you mention that because I have this very, it is the most minute, stupid little detail, but we did have sheepskin seat covers on the front seats after a while. Yeah, once we got smart enough, I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. We never had them on the back I bench, re- though. So we that. as kids Isn't always it? had to suffer. Didn't the back bench, couldn't it fold down to make the back even bigger if you had yeah. an extra wide yeah, I remember that for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you needed to haul something really big, um, but I remember we had gone to like Baskin Robbins uh-huh. and got ice cream cones, and for some reason our folks let us eat in the car. Um, uh-huh. 
and you had gotten daiquiri ice. Oh, that was the best. As your flavor, right? Very blue yeah. in color. Yeah, I love the the color and the flavor. It was like the, the two together, you know? Fair. Anyway, I, sorry. And at one point, you had actually bumped your ice cream against the shoulder of, I think it was the passenger seat. Okay. So there was forever after yeah. that. Yeah. Always this blue little stain yeah. in the sheepskin seat cover. I'm like, I don't know that why was... I remember that, but I remember that. I left my mark on society. I like it. You did. Oh, that's great. That's you great. did. Did we have, did we have any, anything hanging from the rearview mirror? Do you think any fuzzy dice or anything like that? Not or? to my recollection, but no. that's not to say that there wasn't something there. You know, it's weird because I'm like the only person in the family that didn't get the car gene in terms of like fixing cars and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember sometimes we would, dad would take us to like the, um, I don't know if it was a Kragen's. It was some auto supply store over by the, um, the costume store, Larry's Theatrical. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I remember we'd go in there and he'd have to pick something up and like, I would just kind of like wander around and like the only stuff that like I would get excited about were like the fuzzy dice. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Always one for like, the accessories. That was, that was BAP Auto Parts. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't even understand the concept of fuzzy dice and cars. Like I, like the two of them go together somehow, but it's just, I don't know. I'm just going to say the fifties and leave it at that. Right, right, right. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, that was that was that was a that was that was a fun car that had a lot of good memories in it. Yeah, it treated um, us well. It, it treated us very well. I don't remember. I don't clearly remember it ever leaving us stranded. No, no. Um, but all good things do come to an end. And in 1988, we traded it in, and I think maybe got 500 bucks huh. uh, toward a 1988 Mercur XR4Ti. Okay. What? XR what? Exactly. Well, X- yeah. we would often pronounce it X-Roddy. Um, and it turns out we weren't the only ones to come up with that, I am happy to say. Now, I'm not sure if our listeners even would know what... Now, Merkur, that's M-E-R-K-U-R, right? Right. Now, what is a Merkur? Okay. Not, not a Mercury. Yeah, it, well, it's it's a European Mercury, basically. European Mercury. So this 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 was a um, I believe it was West German built back when there was a West Germany. Okay. Um, it, it ultimately falls under the grand tree of Ford. Okay. Uh, because Ford Mercury were kind of uh, uh, sister brands, um, okay. or you know, it's cars, they're brother brands, you know, whatever. Um, and so over in Europe, the XR4Ti was. Um, known as the Ford Sierra. Okay. Um, and they're also the, I think there was also like, a, um, an RS, like the, the racing version of it with a really souped up engine. Okay. And these things, these cars were like the best, um, in, what is it? Like a touring car championship racing. Oh, weird. Um, and so there's a huge, love and a huge following for this type of car in Europe. Um, and I guess for whatever reason, they said, Hey, well, they all love them over here. Let's see if we can sell them to the Americans. Cause the Americans love racing. Okay. Um, and so the, the Mercure was sold in America for, I think, I don't think any more than about five years. 
Okay. I want to say it was like maybe 85 to 89. Okay. Um, and so there's, there's basically two different versions. Uh, the, the earlier one, which we did not have, we had the later one, um, basically had a, uh, a double wing on the rear hatch. Yes. So it's a two door sedan seats four, five. If somebody's really cozy in the middle on the back bench, um, okay. But it was, you know, bucket seats, five-speed manual, had a turbo. Um, you know, it was a sporty sedan. Okay. Um, now, the later one, the one that we had, only had a single wing on the rear hatch. Um, but Mom, who, as much as we love her, is admittedly a little bit of a lead foot at times. Um, <laughs> boy, oh boy, did she love to drive this car. I'm glad that you had the guts to say it. I was going to say it, but I'm glad you had the guts to say it instead of me. Um, yeah, the, the Mercur, it was, I think it was blue. Yep. Um, it, the version we had, was it only two doors? It is. Yeah, they did okay. not make a four-door version. I think I remember that because I think if you wanted to sit in the back, you had to tilt the, four, the, the front seats forward. Correct. Yes. Um, I definitely, um, I definitely see a theme here of the themes being, kind of obscure British slash European sort of racing cars kind of situation. It clearly in terms a little of bit of that Lotus, going on, I mean, isn't Not there? so much the station wagon, you know, but, uh, you know, um, I remember mom being so excited about having this car. And um, I remember it looking nothing like any, el- any other car I'd ever seen on the roads in America. Not really. Um, and when we um, would I, see another one, it was, oh, my God, there's another one. It was bizarre. It was a really weird ph- phenomenon. And, and it was, it was so weird because it was like everyone, it felt like every, maybe at least once a year, we would be driving somewhere and there would be somebody in another car who would be, we would be at a stoplight or something. And that person would see our car and super enthusiastically get excited and even try to like buy it from us. Maybe because you're like, you're saying it's this big car in like rally racing or whatever in Europe, you know, maybe these people saw it and were like, really really huge fans of this weird car you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i distinctly remember that having happening at least like once a year and it was that's impressive because i don't remember that really um well mom hopefully if you're listening maybe you can chime in um i remember there being it was really weird because whenever it needed uh, a mechanic it was super hard to find a mechanic who would work on it Mm -hmm. maybe um, is that your memory as well or yeah I, i i think for a while obviously you could take it back to the dealer because it was it was you know still basically a new car i think once you got further into the 90s uh-huh. um and and the warranty was gone um yeah it, w- it was tough to find somebody who was willing to work on it we ultimately uh did find a place in campbell called campbell ford performance and honestly i'm impressed they always did a really good job with it yeah you know it's interesting that little um auto repair shop it's really close to a strip mall that used to have an old movie theater, really yeah. small movie theater. And in that strip mall was a movie video rental store. And uh, I had a, at that time, I had a girl, not at that time, not in like 1988, but like in the 90s, I had a girlfriend who worked there. And I, oh, I would right. come and pick her up from work uh, every night when she, you know, closed shift or whatever like mm-hmm. that. And she and I, we had this like whole routine and ritual where we're like, I, we would, I would help her out in refiling all the adult films like on the shelf, you know, that got returned and stuff like that. Nice. Um, and we kind of, yeah, we kind of bonded, you know, but it was right next to the place where they fixed the Mercur. Um, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's right. And, I, I, I remember that. And now this was the car that obviously, 
I don't know that we ever really camped in it, but this was the car that would always take us to Civil War reenactments. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I ultimately got to drive it a few times. I know we've, we've taken it down to, like, Porterville to visit the family down there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we had a, uh, we had a like, a sunscreen shade visor thing that we would put in the front mm-hmm. window when we would park. Yep. And I seem to recall that it would, like, sort of roll up into a a big tube. Not maybe a big tube. Maybe that's a bad word to use. No, no, but no. I'm you're just, right. I remember that we always, in the family, referred to that sunscreen when it was rolled up as a, a photon torpedo from Star Trek. But we would yes. Oh my god! I forgot the letters. About that. So we would call it like a torpon torpedo. Or... Yes, the torpon torpedo. Yes, yes, yes. And that was like this weird. <laughs> Like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, if any member of our family is ever kidnapped and there needs to be, like, a proof of life situation, I mean, like, that's one of the questions I will ask. You yes. know, like, what was the name of, like, what what did our family call, like, the sunshade from the car we had in the 90s? Um, I would ask that, or I would ask, I would ask, like, something about eggs from hell. Yep. Because that was, like, a weird running joke in our family, too. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yes, just one was. of those weird things. But, but hey, um, if I could tap the brakes just a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe this is an appropriate time to mention it chronologically speaking. What what is your story about seeing the station wagon after? Oh we... yes, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so it was it was definitely in my teenage years. Um, I'm pretty sure I was still in high school at the time. Uh, so we're talking, you know, easily ninety two to ninety four. Um, okay. I was over at my friend Jonathan's house and he lived in Campbell over near the old tower records. Okay. Um, and so we were actually, we were walking over to the tower records. Uh, so right there along, um, Hamilton Avenue. Okay. And I just, as we were walking, I just happened to look up and I was like, Whoa, there's an old Ford station wagon. And I it just, as, as quick as you can look at it, cause traffic's passing by at, you know, 35, 40 miles an hour on that street. Um, I go, I recognize that license plate. Oh my God. It still has the bumper stickers. Oh, and I go, have the bumper stickers still. It's, it's still had the bumper stickers. Oh God. Oh, and I was like, Oh my God, that's our old station wagon. Oh, no way. And I, and I lost my mind because you know, when you trade in an already 10 year old wagon at that point, and you're only getting 500 bucks trading on it, I'm expecting it to wind up at pick and pull. Oh yeah, not back out on the street. Oh god, but it ended up back out on the street. Doesn't it just make you kind of? It kind of makes me sick inside, just wondering. I mean, probably right now, as of this very second, the the station wagon and the Mercure probably have been like what crunched like at Clyde's car crusher, right? Oh, I can almost guarantee you the Mercure has with with how it ended up. But yeah, the station wagon. I mean, at this point, I mean, thirty, forty. No, sorry, forty years on since it was built. Probably, yeah. I mean, if we had the VINs and you really wanted to find out, you could run Carfaxes on them because I'm sure they've got 17-digit VINs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it just gives me, like, if it was destroyed or if it's just, like, in a farm field somewhere, both scenarios give me the chills. Like, yeah, I don't know I why. I get it. I get it. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get it. But uh, thank you for reminding me about that story because I know I, I, know I yes. said I was going to tell it. Okay. Um, well, with the Maricor... But anyway, yeah. Um, so I wanted to go down to a big VW show in Los Angeles, uh, in the year 2000 called the VW classic. I mean, it's like a all weekend kind of VW event. Um, Mm -hmm. but the bus I had at the time, I really, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that it would make it. Okay. I was just feeling a little nervous. 
And so mom and dad were like, well, why don't you take the Mercure? I'm like, okay. all right, cool. Yeah, if you guys are cool with it, you know. Um, so I set out early, early morning, like 3.30 in the morning, because mm-hmm. I wanted to be in L.A. by like lunchtime. Um, and I'm driving to LA, down to L.A., and this is the first time I have ever done a trip of this size solo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I get down to Ventura. So okay. I'm going down 101, and I'm in Ventura. And I'm going along and listening to music and the windows are down. You know, it's it's middle of the morning now. And there's this dump truck in the lane next to me. And I'm hearing yeah. this just horrible sound start. And I'm like, oh, God damn, these loud, you know, trucks. And I'm like starting to roll up the window or I start to pull away from him. And the sound doesn't go away. Okay. And I start going, oh, crap. Oh, that's the car. Uh-oh. What's going on? Now... This is the year 2000. I don't even have okay. a flip phone. I have a brick phone, <laughs> like a yeah, prepaid I I, brick yeah. phone. There is no yep. Google Maps. There is basically no Google at this point, really. Right, um, right. I, I think maybe I've got a AAA map with me. Okay. Um, and so I'm like, I need to get off this highway because, mm-hmm. yeah, something's not right. Okay. So I basically get off the freeway and I think I okay. call mom and dad. I said, guys, something's up. And they're like, well, we'll get somewhere safe and, and, you know, let us know and we'll figure it out. So then I call the um, VW friends that I was going down to meet up with. And I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, dude, I think this car's having issues. Like, it's getting tough to shift and everything. And it just so happens that I could, I was close enough to limp it to one of my friend's brother's places. Okay. Like, it was within a couple miles. Like, total chance. So I managed to limp it over there. His brother gives me a ride to the train station. I now take the train all the way down to Oceanside, where I'm going to meet up with these guys. I still managed to have my adventure. Okay. Um, And then after that weekend's over, I mean, it's I'm in school. So, you know, it's summertime. I've got no commitments. I I wasn't working at the time or anything, so I didn't have to race home. But I managed to take the train back up to where the car is. Call AAA and be like, hey, I think the transmission's gone on this thing. I need to get towed. Like, and I'm doing research ahead of time going, okay, yeah, I've got AAA plus. I can get to this spot. So right. I need to get this address. I need to basically book a room in this motel because I don't think I can go more than one trip a day. Because there's like a limit how many miles they'll tow you for a day, right? Right. So you kind of have to like bunny hop. You know? Yeah. There was yeah, no yeah, way yeah, I was going to yeah. get towed like all the way to San Jose. On on one trip, not on a, you know, I'm 400 miles from home. Right, right. So I I basically plot out this, you know, half week long trip home by tow truck. Mm. And then I'm going to be stuck (laughs) in these little towns at these little motels where I'm just hanging out. Um, Do you remember which towns or like? Oh my gosh. Um, I want to say from Ventura, it was Buellton. From Buellton. I don't even know what that, I never heard of Buellton. It's down near Solvang. Okay, I've heard of Solvang. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's right next to Solvang. So Buellton, and then I think Buellton, the next was going to be like, not Paso Robles? Was it Paso Robles? Okay. I think think Paso Robles. That was going to be like five miles over. I'm like, I'll pay it in cash. I don't care. And then from there, it was going to be like Salinas and then Salinas to San Jose. Oh, okay. All right. So long story short. Um, mm-hmm. It turns out AAA in California is broken into three different segments. 
Okay. And I also figured out by chance how long people work a shift. Okay. Um, so in the morning, I get up to um, Buellton. And just on a whim, I'm like, okay, look, I'm just going to call and ask. I mean, the worst they can say is, nope, sorry, you got to call us tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'd gone from Southern California to Central California. Uh-huh. They didn't have me in their system. Oh. So they're like, oh, yeah, sure. We can take you up to Paso Robles. No problem. Truck will be there in however long. I'm like, all right. You gained the system. Good. Yeah, I totally gained the system. Nice. So get up to Paso Robles, you know, getting up toward lunchtime now. Yeah. And I go, well, it worked once. I'm like, worst they're going to say is, hey, look, nope, sorry. Good try, but. So I call, and a new shift had come on. It had been so long getting up there that I'd basically mm-hmm. fallen out of the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the whole system, but just, like, that queue. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can get you up to Salinas, no problem. I'm like, all right, sweet. Nice. Yeah. So another few hours pass. You know, we're getting later in the day now. It's late afternoon. I've now gone from Central California to Northern California. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Well, what the hell? Let's see if I can make it home. <laughs> and I give a call and I'm like, hey, any chance you guys can get me from Salinas to, you know, transmission's all bad. And oh, yeah, no problem. You're just, you're just going home with that? <laughs> yeah, sure am. <laughs> so I managed to spend the entire day, a long, wow. long, long day in yeah. a tow truck. Well, in four tow trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting the Maricor back home from Southern California. Um and sure enough, the Maricor went back to Campbell Ford Performance after we got at home. They managed to source a quote-unquote new transmission from a junkyard. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how few of these there are around. And it took them a while to find it. <laughs> and then I think mom and dad kept it going another couple of years before they're like, yeah, it's time for a new car. We're going to go get a Saturn. Yeah. you know, the, and, then the Saturn, and then Saturn went out of business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they always had, they always had the, uh, the eye for, you know, obscure companies that either no one's ever heard of or, the, or that will soon go out of business. But um, the X-Rod was the first quote-unquote mom and dad car that like I ever drove because I had mm-hmm. my license in the 90s, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I definitely distinctly remember the fact that they sold it or traded it in or whatever. It left the family while I was in Britain um, because I remember coming back from Britain and it was gone. And I was like, okay. I didn't get to say goodbye to it. it all of a sudden, there's this white Saturn and I'm like, where's the Mercur? I don't understand what's going on. I'm sure I knew about it. I'm sure my dad mentioned it, like on a phone call or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was very like it was there one day, and then I get back, and it's like not in my life anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that might have been 2001 at best, because weren't you? I was there in 99 to 2000, like okay. fall of 99 to like spring of 2000, and then like um, like September 2001 to like May 2002. Okay, so yeah, about 0102. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so gee whiz, we've come a long road. This we have. I see what yeah. you did there too. I like it. What are some of your other car culture memories from growing up as, as a kid in San Jose? Well, we have kind of mentioned this this one, um, I don't know, get together before, but down the Alameda from us was mm-hmm. a little diner, hamburger joint. I think hamburger joint might be a better answer mm-hmm. than diner. I don't remember it ever looking quite like a quote-unquote diner as it was um 
But there was John's Graffiti Night, which is basically, it's not a bunch of taggers. We're not getting people spray painting Steve Nelson mm-hmm. on buildings. Um, it was American graffiti. It was, you know, uh, 1950s revival, bring out your hot rods, have a burger and a shake mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and so I remember as little kids, we would go down there. I think it was once a month. Mm-hmm. They would hold this. And while in my head... I've got mm-hmm. really good memories of seeing these cars and, and just really kind of being fascinated with them because, well, they don't look anything like the, the Ford station wagon, you know? Totally. Um, and, and they were loud and, you know, you've got, you've got, uh, uh, open hoods and straight pipes and stuff off them. Um, and they, they were just different. There's just something about it that kind of, uh, spoke to me as a young car enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have any remembery remembers remembers. Oh boy. You think it was 10 <laughs> o'clock. It's not even eight. Um, I have, I don't really have any memories of the food. I don't really mm. have very clear memories of the restaurant itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it was pretty simple. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I remember some of the cars, unfortunately, no photos, no video. It would have been really dark anyway. Um, and honestly, I was doing searches just today uh-huh. and there's not a lot of no, information out there. I, I'm the same way. This was one of the only parts of the show notes that I tried to do a deep dive on the internet before tonight's show. Um, I think the restaurant might have been called John's Drive-In. That wouldn't was, surprise me. Oh, uh, and it was, I think it was on the corner of the Alameda and Lafayette. Uh, no, Stockton. Stockton, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, Stock, uh, Lafayette's uh, out in Santa Clara. Right, so nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near John's. Um, and, <laughs> you know, honestly, the only thing I could find online, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you saw the same website, I think there's this random website for in some guy who had, like, a rocket car or something. Okay. And there's he has a page where there's just a, a smattering of amazing photos but they're all black and white. They're all from the 50s. And they're all like thumbnail size, so it's hard to see anything. But mm. it's pictures of John Striven on the Alameda. It's I, not graf- the graffiti night, but it's like but just of the building. Of the building and like the little DJ booth on the inside where you'd have like a big bopper type guy playing oh, like my the God, records. I forgot about that part of the building. Like it, it, it was so neat because it was like the place that we went to in the 80s. It, there's so many places that like try to be a diner from the 50s like johnny rockets or something Mm -hmm. like this and this is a place that actually was that place from the 50s you know what i mean yeah and it it drives me even more crazy because it's like it makes me want want to see really neat images of it even more and it's difficult to find that at the touch of a button you know what i mean i i have not seen those pictures really i would love to see those pictures all i managed to bring up was um pictures of um Apparently, there was a John's Graffiti Night sticker. Oh, a sticker? Yeah. Okay. So if it was something like you were, you know, in the group or you went X number of times or even if you went once, I guess, you could get a sticker and, you know, put it in your window. So I, all I was able to find, and I downloaded them, so I'll share them out on Twitter and Facebook and oh, stuff, cool. um, was, you know, here's somebody who you know, came across a hot rod at a, at a different meet in the South Bay and it still had a John's graffiti night sticker in the window mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, here's this window I took out of this car before I chopped the, chopped the roof on it. 
and it's up yeah. on my wall now, and it's got a John's Graffiti Night sticker in it. Oh, that's amazing. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. So, so if, I've, if I've for some reason, yeah. ladies and gentlemen in the listening audience, um, if you remember this place, if you have any photos of this place, oh God, yeah. um, please get in touch with us. Like, we would love to see them. Totally. Ah, but you know what? Not only did we really dig the cars as, as little kids, but we dug little cars as little kids, too. We did, uh, definitely, because yeah. I have very vivid memories of, like, sneaking Hot Wheels to school with me in elementary school so I could play with them in the dirt at lunch. Oh, my gosh. And let me tell you, like, I, we loved toys as kids. As you, the listeners to this podcast will probably know, we were spoiled rotten and had all sorts of different types of toys. Mm-hmm. But I had a special place in my heart, even to this day, for die-cast toys. Die-cast was sort of my jam. Like, And here's the thing. Loved Hot Wheels. I was a huge fan of a specific die-cast car actually made by the Kenner Corporation. It was called the Saturn Seeker, and it kind of looked like a weird, funky spaceship almost. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can check it out. And here's the thing. Even though Hot Wheels, when you think of Hot Wheels, you think of just the super exotic, weird, like, car designs that you almost never see unless you're, like, a millionaire now and you build from scratch a life-size version of your favorite Hot Wheels that you can actually drive Mm -hmm. around in. But I'm going to say something that's probably going to come off as like the old grumpy Sebastian get off my lawn kind of moment. But it almost feels like when we were growing up as kids, you could go to the toy store. I mean, first of all, we don't even have toy stores anymore in 2019, but that's beside the point. But you could go to a toy store and you could buy a die cast toy car, maybe a Hot Wheel, maybe a Matchbox. That would be a more or less authentic or accurate representation of an actual car you would see on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it seems to me that as a society, we have gotten away from that. So, for instance, if I go out today and buy a, a 2017 Honda Accord, if I want to go into a toy store and buy a Hot Wheel of a 2017 Honda Accord, like, that's not going to be possible. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but, but that's the feeling I get. And it feels like I, that breaks my heart on some level. Do you know what I mean? I I do know what you mean, and I can speak to that a little bit because when I Please. had the uh, Nissan 300ZX, yeah, um, I actually was I was actually kind of buying Hot Wheels at a um, you know pretty decent clip there for a while, um, okay. and you they still make you know um, just you know regular cars, not like here's this crazy shark car or whatever. Um, so you can still get regular looking cars. Now, are they going to have one for every make and model out there? No, they're not. I don't think yeah. they're going to have your 2017 Accord or your yeah. you know, 2001 Scion XB yeah, or something. But got a Honda Odyssey? You got a minivan? Yeah, they got a minivan. You know, okay. you've got uh, some of these uh, 80s, 90s tuner cars. They got a bunch of those. Uh, you can yeah. still find some VW ones every now and then. Yeah, so what, maybe all hope is not entirely lost. It's no, just, it's not. It, it it felt like, I guess what I'm trying to say is it felt like as a kid, I, I could go into a toy store and buy a toy car that accurately or authentically represented a real car that, that a person could go into a, uh, an automobile dealership and buy that, that same car. And it seems, yeah. like, it seems like that's something that today is, is less frequent or less possible. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't I, know. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. Did you have a favorite Hot Wheel? I totally had a favorite Hot Wheel. My favorite Hot Wheel. God, I wish I still had it. Um, 
was called the um oh, let me get back to the notes because i'm trying to remember um oh it was called stage fright okay okay so stage fright was basically as if somebody took an old stagecoach body and okay. put it on a custom like almost hot rod dragster frame okay um so big open wheel concept, you know, you, you'd sit in the front with like a, like a T-bucket, like a very vertical steering wheel. And it was just a big chrome engine in front of you. Yeah. It almost looked like something the Munsters would drive around in. Yeah. Very similar. Like if it was Munsters, the old West edition or something. And in fact, yes, it was actually yes. based on a real hot rod. Yeah. Was it by that? There's that really famous guy from Southern California. Oh, his name escapes me now. Um, uh, George Barris. Yeah, he did all those, like, I think he did, like, the Batmobile, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it almost had to, it gave me a vibe of that almost a little bit, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But that, that is my favorite. And the nice thing is, is, um, you know, finding one, like, on eBay or Etsy or something, they are still out there. They can be found. Um, so mm-hmm. I think one of these days I might just have to pop and get myself one. That's awesome. You know, um, I, one of the, one of the people that I'm in touch with, uh, on and off is um, a guy who used to run the uh, the toy store uh, Kitty World that we grew up with in uh, in San Jose, mm-hmm. and I think I think one I think he said that one of the things he still has from back in the days that he kept was like a, a salesman sample Hot Wheel from Toy Fair or something, and oh, I think those nice. those things go for like six digits or something. It's incredible, like the kind of money those things can bring. I think you know the prototypes and whatnot. Wow, but that's it's pretty cool. That's yeah, very yeah. cool. Oh man! And hey, speaking of toy cars, slot cars—that was a huge part of our our car culture as little kids growing up too. Oh yeah, um, slot cars I mean, were like that was you get something like that for Christmas and you were stoked. I mean, wow, we loved having slot cars. Yeah, Dad, I think even as a kid was huge into slot cars as well. I seem to remember there being like a a, a place on the Alameda growing up as kids. That was almost like a weird converted warehouse that was just a whole bunch of slot car sets and tracks. Oh, I vaguely remember that place. It might have been on San Carlos rather than the Alameda. but That, that um, sounds right. Yeah. I mean, not, it wasn't like an arcade, but you could go in and like pay money and be able to race your car for an hour mm-hmm. or something like that. There yeah. was also a place like that I could have sworn that was like that, but it was... Over near the old spaghetti factory downtown, and it was for RC cars, and it was like dirt jump mounds and stuff like that. You know? No, that, what you're thinking of, that was definitely on uh, San Carlos. It was San Carlos near Meridian. Oh, was it? Okay, okay. And I it was you. out behind like a, like an appliance store. Yeah, or it might something. have been outdoors. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was totally outdoor. I mean, we would take um, our RC cars out there. Every now and then. Yeah. In fact, it's it's where I I got mine t-boned by a, a gas-powered one because the connection broke just as I got out onto the track and I was dead in the water. No way. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. No. Ugh. It's. I mean, luckily, I mean they're they're Lexan bodies, so they're really flexible. I still have that body, and you can kind of see where it's a little crinkled. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have it. I still run it. I think slot cars. Of all the things we're talking about tonight, slot cars is the thing that's probably the most and the best represented in terms of our home movies that survive. Yes. Um, but honestly, the, the the slot car that I, I remember the most, there was a little Formula One car that had the red and white Marlboro tobacco. Oh, that's just the one I was thinking of. Yes. Yep, yep. Yep. Yes. I don't know if that was the one that we always fought over or I don't know why it just stuck out in our heads or whatever, but that was the, that, that was like the one, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, I mean, I remember dad would always, um, you know, he, he, he's got some electronics knowledge, so he, he would always do what he could to, uh, make sure the connection to the track was really good. So you got, you know, good speed out of them. So there was always, you know, you take an eraser and you make sure you clean off the connectors yeah. where they touch the track. Um, mm-hmm. and we, we'd get them I, whipping around those tracks sometimes, you know, fast enough to throw them literally off a corner. I could remember the smell of ozone. Yes. Like the electrical kind of smell. Yes. And, and I think maybe we might have had a slot car that was a police car. Probably. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, oh yeah, good, some good memories there too. Definitely. Yeah. Dude, slot cars were the best. I miss those. Uh, totally. Uh, man, oh man. I know. I know. Winding down here. Yep. Um, you know, one thing we do actually still have pictures of when it comes to like, uh, hot rods and stuff is i remember at least one year going down to porterville there was a a hot rod show downtown mm-hmm. um and i remember grandma and grandpa nelson i think taking us to that and i think you know probably dumped an entire roll of film oh, and yeah. taking oh, pictures totally. of everything that was there yeah i have really good memories of that um i think they would also take us to like weird museums in portable that were just like antique farm tractors and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And I definitely remember like the hot rod stuff was a little bit more interesting for me. Um, I yeah, remember I can see that. I was always thrilled. I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's people who've got like, you know, calic bugs and stuff here. I was always impressed yeah. that there were people in the central Valley who were like, oh, I don't want a Nova. I want to, I want a bug. <laughs> I remember going to like um, a couple actual drag races at some fairgrounds. I'm not sure what fairgrounds that were, they, those were at, but we definitely have home movies of them. It might have been Alameda County. I'm not quite sure. What you're probably um, thinking of is old home movie footage from VW shows at Baylands Raceway in Fremont, which is now the Fremont okay. Auto Mall. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and there was drag I, racing there. Yeah, I, I, I think it was drag racing, but it was not only just Volkswagens. There might have been other types of cars. Um, but, but it might have just been Volkswagen. I not, think that sure one was just Volkswagens. We might have footage from something else. Okay, but that was kind of cool too. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, that, that was fun. Yeah, good thrills. Uh, gee whiz, we've had quite a ride tonight. I like what you did there that time too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, if you didn't uh, plan those, I'd almost think that uh, you were just witty naturally. So I think I think I guess the message the, the the moral of the story here is that you know we had some deep emotional attachments to some of the the vehicles in our lives growing up as kids you know yeah I mean honestly I think we still do yeah yeah um, uh, not that I'm looking I, to have, okay. not that I'd I'm looking to, to buy a '78 Ford Fairmont station wagon but you know you almost want to look and see if there's any still floating around out there I was just gonna say I think of everything we've talked about about tonight the station wagon would be probably the one closest to my heart out of all of yeah, them for sure uh, yeah yeah man it has been great talking to you tonight what, what are we going to be talking about next month all right next month now this is this is big you can only do this once because next month for october october of 2019 we are going to look back on the 30th anniversary of the loma prieta quake so that would be October 17th, 1989. We are coming up on 30 years since that. And I know that I have some very vivid memories of that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, folks, we're going to shake things up a bit and we're going to have some fun. We're going to see what tumbles out. Uh, wow. 
Nicely done. Uh, Nicely done. Yeah. I take back what I said. Uh, you are witty. Well, thank you. But yeah, I think it's going to be a fun episode. Um, it's definitely going to be, I think, educational for both of us. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I suspect we will probably try to maybe find some news clips or stuff to shove in there so you guys can uh, hear what it was like to be there at the time. Totally. Oh, man. Well, right. here's well, to September. Here's to September. I uh, hope you have a great Labor Day holiday. Don't remember, yes. don't wear white after Labor Day. It's a fashion uh, faux as they say. Yeah, fair point. Fair <laughs> point. Stay cool, stay hydrated, everyone, as we uh, wind down summer. And next time we talk to you, it will be fall. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe and it. And I will be 43 next time we talk to you. Hey, hey. happy birthday. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My birthday wow. month. Anyway, between now and then, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Blue Box UFO, and you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. Indeed. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher uh, and Spotify even. Wherever you consume podcasts, just search for If Memory Serves. Please, 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 folks, rate and review us as well. I think at this point, absolutely no one. Uh, on anything that I can see, and I can't see <laughs> iTunes. Um, so there might be something on iTunes. I'll have to have you check, Seb. Yeah. Um, has rate or reviewed us, which is why we have right. two dozen listeners. So thank you, the two dozen of you. Um, hey, subscribe to us on SoundCloud if you're a SoundCloud user. SoundCloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G, and you will get all the shows that we put out on the network. Um, head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com and get yourself one of our sweet if memory serves t-shirts especially if you like cassettes um we don't release the podcast on cassette just in case you were wondering now the show is free to consume but it is not free to produce so if you are able please head on over to patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g and help out anything that you can give is greatly appreciated um, and thanks also to Morgan Willis. He does our music. You can check him out on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. Uh, just search him up and uh, support the music that he's making. So that's it for September. Join us next time where uh, things are going to get a little shaky around here. Oh. I can do it too. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We will see you then. Good night. All right. Good night, folks. Even as a little kid, I was thinking, oh my god, it's like, how many tomato trucks can there be in one universe, you know?